Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Thank you for the invitation and the ability to be able to come and share with you. Now, your pastor has shared with me that he said, take as long as you like. Now, yeah, I know that I'm a preacher and that's the wrong thing to say. And I noticed you don't have a clock in the back. So but on the program, or the, the, the insert they gave me, they say, you got 25 minutes, so you, you gotta get. So uh, I'm gonna try and get through it as quickly as I can in 25 minutes, so if you'll uh, join along with me. Uh, on this second Sunday of Advent, as we seek to reclaim and rehear and retell the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, please journey with me into one of the passages that address the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. And I want to continue the story that was just read a moment ago. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Luke, the second chapter, and I'll be looking at verses 25 through 33. Verses 25 through 33. And this passage, I believe, speaks to what the season of Advent is all about. And if you're physically able, I will invite you to stand as we reverence the reading of God's word. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads like this. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring to revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, just now I pray that you'd allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you may recall that my wife and I uh, just arrived in January. And about mid-January, some of you may know this, uh, I took ill. Uh, and it, it, for me, it was something that was normal. Uh, usually about every winter time, I'll get a cold. Uh, most likely it's a sinus infection. And, and I've had those all I mean, my whole life. So I know exactly what that feels like. And so when it came on, I knew I needed to see a doctor. And so I called several doctors. And you will know COVID was uh, kind of rampant at the time. 
And uh, trying to get a doctor to see you in the middle of COVID was not an easy task. I I knew that I needed to see a doctor because he had to give me the medication that I needed to get over this. The -the over-the-counter stuff just wasn't working and wouldn't work. And so after about the third doctor, and all of them kept saying, well, you need to go get a COVID test. And I said, I don't have COVID. I've got a sinus infection. I know what it is. I've had it all my life, and I know what it feels like. And the doctor says, if you want to see me, you're going to have to have a COVID. So I went to a COVID test, and wouldn't you know, (laughs) they said, oh, you, you have COVID. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I don't have any of the symptoms that COVID has. I have a sinus infection. They say, well, you may have that too, but you also have COVID. And so I called the doctor back and said, uh, and I was a little frustrated at this point. Uh, I called him back and said, listen, you probably don't want to see me now. They told me I have COVID. Now, do I have to wait? Because I'm in pain. And the only reason I'm calling you is I'm in pain. Because otherwise, I wouldn't give you the time of day right now. But uh, he said, no, 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 come on in and we'll, we'll receive you. So he gave me the website. You went online and filled in all your information and took pictures of everything and so forth and so on. And so uh, my appointment was for 930. I got there at 915 because, you know, my wife always tried to pour into me uh, to be on time or be early. How, How does it go now? Yeah, yeah, and to be on time is to, y'all, y'all must know my wife. Guys, anyway, I got there early, right? And I went in and did my copay thing where I did all of that stuff. And uh, they say, well, now, normally we would tell you to sit here in the waiting room, but you can't sit here. You have to go and wait in your car. So I did, and I went out and waited in my car. 9.30 came, and nobody called me. 9.45 came, and, and, and no one called. 9.55 came, and I, I was a little agitated. I, I just kind of beat my horn a little bit, just to, maybe they'd have forgotten I was sitting out there. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, but what was really irritating, about uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, I had seen people who had came in after me, who had gone in, and they had already left. And so now I'm agitated, because my appointment was for 9.30. And so they finally, about 10, 15, said, oh, come on in. Now, now it's been an hour. And, and I was okay, all right, I'm going to finally get to see the doctor. Well, that, that's not true. You see, you get in, they, they take you into the room, and uh, they do your blood pressure and, and all that, take your temperature and all, and then they uh, tell you to go into the exam room, uh, and they give you that little piece of clothing, take that little cloth, you know, the cotton that they give you, that, and say, take off the clothes, put this on, and they call it exam room. I, I don't think that's the proper name for it. It's, it's really just another waiting room. That's Because that's, uh, then I was sitting there waiting and waiting, and then finally the doctor comes in. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I was made to wait to receive the help that I needed. Now, the doctor didn't need me. I needed him. But I was made to wait. Friends, that's just, just not about going to the doctor. That's about learning to live your life with God. You see, you cannot walk with God and not learn how to wait. God has a way of compelling us to sit down, be still, and wait. 
For all my Bible readers out there, you will recall when Jesus gets the word that Lazarus was ill, he does not rush to Lazarus' side, but he waits four days until Lazarus is dead. And only to show up in Mary and Martha has a problem with him. They were thinking, Lord, you should have come when we called you. Another instance you might remember uh, when King David started to think about his life with God and he sat down and in Psalms 27, at the end of the Psalm, David writes these words, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And again, I say, wait on the Lord. Uh, Isaiah knew it, where you could not walk with God and not wait, which is why he said in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, Job also knew when he was going through the struggles of his life and he looks up to his friends and in Job 14, 14, he says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. You see, we serve a God who makes us wait. I know this may be upsetting to some of you because you want God to move when you snap your fingers. But I want to tell you this morning that God does not operate on demand. God does not have a microwave in heaven that gets your blessings ready quicker than they ought to be. God does not overnight his plans and his miracles in your life. I serve a God that my grandpa told me that you can't make him hurry. He'll be there, don't you worry. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. And you see, these four weeks of Advent are meant to slow us down and recognize that walking with God demands that you learn how to wait. Waiting 101 is a class that you have to pass. You cannot get to heaven without a degree of waiting on your wall. Doesn't it seem, doesn't it seem like we are always waiting on God to do something? Waiting on God to answer a prayer. Waiting on God to move an obstacle out of the way. Waiting on God to heal an issue in our bodies. Waiting on God to reconcile a broken relationship waiting on God to open a door and provide new resources in our lives. It, it seems like we're always waiting on God. And you know, friends, waiting is uncomfortable. Because when you have to wait, it, it makes you feel like something is wrong. Just wait. Now you're probably wondering if I forgot what was next in the sermon. No, no, just wait. That, that silence is uncomfortable, isn't it? You, you see, the world has conditioned us to have an inherent disdain for anything that takes too long. Technology has conditioned us to hate waiting because speed is the truest sign of technological advancement. It's not an upgrade if it's slower than the previous model. We don't like waiting, and we don't like waiting on our technology. I went to print this sermon the other day, and I went to the printer. And did you know that the printer had the audacity to be warming up? <laughs> I, I stood there and waited 
for what seemed like an eternity. It, it wasn't. But, but I was tempted to send a message to IT to let them know that this printer had to go because I want my technology to give me what I ask for when I push the demand button. And, and truth be told that sometimes we expect God to operate the same way. When I press amen button at the end of my prayer, I expect my blessing to be waiting. I want God to move now. Can, can we talk for a minute? It's, it's just us in here. You see, there are some folks for whom affluence and acquaintanceship tell them that they shouldn't have to wait. You see, the bigger your title, the less you like waiting. I, I was talking with one gentleman who had more money than I could ever make in my lifetime. And I asked him, what's the one thing that having money will do that I don't understand? And he said this, having money will kill your patience. Because the more you earn, the less you feel you ought to wait. You, you really don't have to earn money uh, or have money or make money to, to feel that way. You, you just need to know somebody. When you know folks and you have the hookup, we feel we shouldn't have to wait. One of the greatest feelings in life is to show up somewhere and see a line of people waiting. And you don't have to wait in that line. After all, you can go to the front because you got it like that. You've got the hookup or you've got money. And nothing in the world is like knowing you are better than someone else because you don't have to wait in line. Now, Disney World has tapped into that primal feeling for us when they created this thing called a fast pass. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, ain't nothing like it, isn't it? You can just walk up to the front of the line. Now, there are people <laughs> who've been standing there for an hour, but you don't have to wait because you got to hook up with the fast pass. Now, I know this group is holy and sanctified and will never have felt like that. I, I know it's just me. But I hate waiting. I hate waiting in lines. But see, affluence and acquaintanceship causes us not to like waiting. But also entitlement, it, it just adds fuel to the fire. We sometimes have a sense of entitlement that says, when I've done what I was supposed to do, you ought to reciprocate and not make me wait. I paid my dues, I've jumped through the hoops, I crossed my T's and I dotted my I's, and after everything I've done for you, you ought not to make me wait, because I'm a good customer. Now sometimes we come to church with that same mindset. I'm a good customer, God. I come to church, I, I read my Bible, I pray, I tithe every now and then, and, and then I even brought somebody to church this year. And I expect God to answer my prayer quickly. I expect God to move mountains out of my way. I expect God to deliver what I've been asking for. And I have a problem when God makes me wait. You see, when God makes me wait, sometimes it makes me question God's ability. I mean, if God is omnipotent, and God can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it, 
Doesn't it seem like God should do whatever we need to have done when we want God to do it? Waiting really is not a question of omnipotence. Waiting is a matter of sovereignty. God's ability is governed by God's will. What God can do is executed based upon what God wills to do. Hear me, my friends. Uh, Who, like me, don't like to wait? Listen, that what God wills most for you is to grow you. What God wills most for you is to groom you. What God wills most for you is to guide you. What God wills most for you is to be glorified by you in order to grow you and in order to groom you and in order to guide you and in order to be glorified by you. Sometimes God has to put you in the waiting room and say, sit down and wait. That there's something about waiting that grows you up. There's something about waiting that grooms your life. There's something about waiting that allows God to be glorified. God has a reason for making you wait. So, I know you're asking, man, Major, why does God make us wait? Well, part of the answer might come out of the life of Simeon. Simeon is one of those hidden figures in the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, Simeon doesn't get top billing. And to my knowledge, there's not a Christmas carol with the name Simeon in it. You've never gone to a Christmas pageant and a child was given the part of Simeon. The shepherds have their part. Even sheep get a starring role. I've seen a child play the part of the star over Bethlehem, but I've never seen it, anyone play the part of Simeon. Nobody likes to be a Simeon. And maybe that's because Simeon forces us to deal with the reality of waiting. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Simeon. It just tells us that he's just. He's devout. He's Holy Spirit-led. He's elderly. And the Bible clearly tells us (laughs) that he's waiting. What is he waiting on? That's easy. Scripture tells us he's waiting on the fact that the Holy Spirit has revealed to him that he will not die until he beholds the Messiah. And from that moment until Luke 2, and we don't know how long that was, Simeon has been waiting in God's waiting room. He is learning that oftentimes God orchestrates a delay between what he promises and when he delivers on that promise. He's learning that when you walk with God, that he allows time to elapse between what he declares and when he delivers. God can speak to you about something, but he will delay its manifestation so that God can put you in the waiting room because there's something that happens when you wait on God that will never happen if you don't learn how to wait. Can I talk with you about why waiting on God is good for you? Why waiting is part of the growing process of God, the grooming process of God, the guiding process of God, the glorifying process of God. There are three good reasons to embrace God's waiting room. Waiting fortifies your faith. When God makes you wait, he is strengthening your faith. 
He's deepening your faith. God is putting some substance behind your faith. When you wait, your faith is not a cliche that you espouse, slogans that you have heard church folk verbalize. When you have learned to wait on God, your faith is rooted into something much deeper. Now, now watch this. Simeon is waiting. And the Bible says in verse 26, the Holy Spirit has given him the revelation that he will not die until he sees Jesus. Simeon has the Holy Spirit speak to him. And he begins to wait simply because the Spirit said it. You, you probably missed that. Let me, let me say that again. Simeon had the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he begins to wait simply because the Spirit said it. Now, okay, let me say, all right. Now Simeon is different than anyone else in the Christmas story. Everyone else found out about Jesus through a sign that they could see. Zechariah saw an angel, and the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. When Joseph questioned what to do, an angel appeared to him in his dream. When the shepherds were tending their flock, a host of angels appeared. Uh, when the wise men were seeking the Savior, a star appeared in the sky. All of them knew about Jesus through a physical sign, something that they could see. Simeon didn't see a sign. He learned to wait because he received a word from the Spirit. You see, there is a difference between external confirmation and internal revelation. All Simeon has is the word that God has given him through his spirit. There is no sign. There is no evidence. There is no confirmation. But Simeon believes it and waits on the Lord. He realizes that God has said it. And that means it's truth. That means it will happen whether he believed it or not. When I was growing up in the 70s, there was this bumper sticker that I saw people put on their vehicles. You might remember it. You might have had it on your vehicle. No judgment. It said, listen, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. There's a problem with that bumper sticker. Because you see, when God said it, it makes no difference whether I believed it or not. That settles it. And when we start to grow up in our faith, we begin to understand we don't need all the other stuff. All we need is a word from God. You see, when God has you in the waiting room, when he has you in a holding pattern, when God doesn't appear to be moving on your prayer, the Lord is trying to break your dependence on external signs in order to believe that he is able to do what he said he will do. Some of us here today will believe God when we have evidence pointing towards God. But the more you grow in God, God wants to get you to a place where you don't need a sign. You don't need any confirmation. You don't need anybody to touch and agree with you. You don't need anybody to say they saw it in a dream. All you need is that word from God in your heart and you take God at his word. I wish I had some Christians who believe like Simeon that on a Sunday morning when the word of God is preached, I wish there were folks who would simply say, I will take God at his word. 
I believe that God is able to do what he says he will do. I believe that he is a healer when the doctor says I'm sick. I believe he is a way maker when the, the job has laid me off. I believe he is a mountain mover when there's nothing but mountains all around me. When you have learned to wait on God, and God has brought you through, you will never be dependent upon somebody else confirming what you know God can do. Now, when I was a young lieutenant, I struggled because, you see, I would have people come up to me and say, uh, Lieutenant, would you pray for me? Pray for this certain situation. And I struggled with that because, as you know, what I understood was they prayed to the same God I prayed to. They had the same access to God that I had. They, they, they had the same promise from God that I had. They read the same Bible that I read. Why do I need to pray for them? I, what I learned was they just hadn't simply believed it. Now, if I went back and said to them, you know, I want to confirm this. They were all over it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. They were ready to praise God for it, but they could have done it for themselves. I got off track here. Let me yeah. See, all we have to do is take time to remember what God has done in our life. And you will discover that you never needed a sign. You just needed a word. The second thing, God will make you wait because and I know I'm running out of time. I got to hurry here. God will make you wait because God is waiting on your worship. While you are waiting on God to work, God is waiting for you to worship. While you are waiting on God to work, God is watching and waiting on you to worship. Now, don't look at me funny. Just follow along. Jesus was born. Forty days later, according to Levitical law, his mother Mary can now be purified. And this means that Mary can come out and Jesus can be dedicated. So they bring Jesus to Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph leaves Bethlehem and takes baby Jesus to the temple. Now, it's in the temple that Simeon sees baby Jesus. Now, don't miss this. Simeon sees Jesus in the temple because Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated according to the law, and they ran into Simeon. Now, why is Simeon at the temple if he didn't know that that was the day that Jesus was going to show up? Why was Simeon at the temple? Because I believe that there was a part of his daily routine to follow the Spirit's leading. While he's been waiting, he's still going to work and worship. While he's been waiting on God to bring about the promise, he still makes his way to the temple so that he can worship God. Because Simeon understands that while I am waiting on God to work on my prayers, I still have to worship God because he is worthy to be worshipped, even when it looks like God is not answering my prayer. God wants to see whether you can worship him when it appears like he's not answering your prayers. God wants to know, is your worship based on what I do, or do you worship me because of who I am? Now, there are some folks here who can shout when God does something. Uh, you are the easy saints. I, I'm not talking to you. I'm looking for the Simeons who will say, when God doesn't do anything, he's still God and worthy to be worshipped. 
because he's the creator of the heavens and earth. He's the bright and morning star. He's my savior and I worship him because of who he is. Now, now this is going to mess somebody up this morning. Listen, you see, when you begin to worship him for who he is and not what God does, you're going to mess up people on your pew or on your row there because you will have the audacity to walk into a church on Sunday morning with no answer prayer, no raise from your boss, no bonus in, the, in your paycheck. You'll walk in here with cancer running through your body. You'll walk in here alone because a spouse has walked out on you. But you'll still walk in here on holy ground and lift up your hands and still begin to praise. Somebody on your pew will look at you and wonder how. How can you worship God when he ain't done nothing? And all you can say is that I worship him because he is God. No one wants to be in a relationship with someone who only wants what they can give. God will put you in intentional holding patterns and in the waiting rooms to ensure that your worship is not a form of sanctified manipulation. While you are waiting on God to work, God is waiting on you to worship. But when you go to worship, God goes to work. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is never idle in the life of someone who worships. God is never inactive in the life of someone who is worshiping. God is never A-W-O-L when you worship. When you worship, God is always working behind the scenes. Now, follow me for a minute. Simeon is in the temple worshiping. God does not seem to be answering his prayer, but God is working in the background. God is working. Let me show you. God has found an elderly Elizabeth and opened her womb, allowed her to get pregnant with John the Baptist. God, while Simeon was waiting, has sent an angel to Gabriel, or angel Gabriel to talk with Mary. Gabriel has then spoken with Joseph, and when Mary is confused, she goes to Elizabeth. And while all of this is happening, God makes his way to Rome and taps the emperor on the shoulder and says that I need you to issue a taxation and force everyone to go to their hometowns. Because you see, Mary and Joseph are in Nazareth, but my word says that it has to go down in Bethlehem. So I have to move the whole world in order to get them into the right place for my word to be fulfilled. And then I'll bring Jesus to Simeon. Now, now, while you are worshiping, God is working behind the scenes, working to fulfill what he has promised he will do. Now, I know I'm out of time, but just give me, I got number three here. Let, let me roll with this just for a few more minutes. While you're waiting, God is fortifying your faith. While you're waiting, God is waiting on you to worship. While you're waiting, God is preparing your praise. Follow me just for a little longer. The Lord will want you to wait so you learn how to say thank you. Simeon has been waiting a long time, and when he finally sees Jesus, the Bible says he takes Jesus, lifts him up in his arms, and he begins to bless and glorify God. He's elderly, but he's lifting his hands in praise. Listen, I know some of you millennials may not have developed your praise yet. And that's all right. 
But I know that there are some mature baby boomers here who can declare with gray hairs on our heads that they have seen and waited on God enough in our life that they can declare at this stage they know how to raise their hand and thank God for what the Lord has done. Now, if you're not elderly, you may not have seen enough. But I know that there are some retired folks in the audience that know you have seen God do too much. You have seen God move mountains. You've seen God answer too many prayers. You've seen God perform too many miracles. Not to bless God and praise his name. Uh, hold on, hold on now. We, we got to take note that there is a connection between your prayer and your praise. The longer you have to pray for something, the quicker you will thank God when it comes. Now, you might recall when the lepers came to Jesus. There were 10 of them. The Bible says Jesus heals them, and they go their way. Only one came back. And every theologian continues to scratch their head. Why only one? Might I suggest to you this morning that he was there the longest. He was held in the waiting room the longest period of time. And because of that, he could say, thank you, Jesus. Could it be that God allows us to wait because some of us are recipients of immediate blessings for which we are not adequately grateful? God's been so good that you just take it for granted. God has done it so often that you have unmitigated gall to sit through an entire worship service and not even think, thank you. But when you have been praying and when you have been waiting on it and waiting on it and waiting on it and waiting on it, you'll begin to thank God during the call to worship. You'll begin to thank God when they open the doors because God has lifted you up. When you have waited on it, you appreciate it more. I learned a long time ago, that which you attain too easily, you esteem too lightly. That what you get too easily, you don't know how to be grateful for. What you get without a fight, you, you don't even know how to thank God for. Now, I'm out of time. Listen, we have heard this Christmas story so many times before. And it has become, shall I say, too familiar to us. That it no longer carries the wonder and the awe that it once had for you. You no longer seem to be grateful that God has moved heaven and earth to secure your salvation. You don't seem to be grateful that God moved heaven and earth to secure your promise of heaven. And God has orchestrated your eternal blessings. And what hurts God the most is that you don't even appear to be thankful. And why do church leaders have to prompt you to say amen and hallelujah? You can walk into these Advent services and leave the same old ungrateful person you came in as because you no longer see what God has done for you. Behold, our God, our Savior, behold, he is here. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Would you stand and say, thank you, Jesus? Would you stand and say, praise the Lord? 
for what he's done in my life. I can't talk about everybody else, but for what he's done in my life. Would you be willing to praise and say, thank you, Lord. And if I have to wait a little longer, that's all right. I'll still be here worshiping. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.